What's up, guys? This is Patrick Madmore coming to you live from the heart of Silicon Valley, California. That's right. We're in Redwood City, California, and it is a beautiful day today. Blue skies. Leaves are finally sprouting. It's about freaking time because it has been cold and rainy and crappy here. And all is good. Uh, like I said, my name is Patrick Madmork and coming to you live from Silicon Valley. I guess you're going to want to know what this podcast is all about. Otherwise, you'll probably unsubscribe me very quickly. So, yeah. So, what is Mad Mork Stories all about? Well, this podcast is basically targeting marketers. That's right. The people who make us buy stuff. The people who make us buy stuff that sometimes we need, sometimes we don't need. Sometimes they make up cool stories that make us laugh and cry. Sometimes they just come up with boring stuff that we really just want to tune out and move away from. That's right. So, basically, yeah. This podcast is about marketing marketing. It's about storytelling. It's about technology startups and founders. And specifically, a lot of it is about marketing tech products and marketing B2C tech products, marketing B2B tech products, uh, the stories of technology founders, the stories of technology marketers, what they've been doing, what works, what doesn't work, all that good stuff. So really kind of like what I'm trying to get at here is the aim is to interview every week for at least 20 to 30 minutes, somebody here in the heart of Silicon Valley or somewhere around who is deeply immersed in tech marketing and is involved in building brands and building stories around tech products. Now, like I said, that could be B2B stuff. It could be B2C stuff. It could be your next favorite app or mobile game. It could be you know, the next cool technology around virtual reality. It could be AR. It could be machine learning, whatever. Whatever geeks you out, You know, whatever kind of flips your skirt, we're going to be interviewing people who do that. I'm going to be talking to CEOs. I'm going to be talking to CMOs. I'm going to be talking to content marketers, growth hackers, all those good people who are immersed in the trenches of doing all this cool stuff so that you, on the other hand, can create a meaningful and awesome career in marketing if that's what you like. The other thing that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about careers in marketing. That's right. Marketing has become simply one of the broadest and most complex areas that you can work on if you're working in business these days. Take it from me. I've been working in marketing for over 20 years. Started my career back in 1994 working for PepsiCo. Yep, uh, some of you guys probably still drink that stuff. Uh, and yeah, I've been doing this for a long time and seen a lot of different stuff in marketing, uh, marketed products all over the world. And boy, has it changed. It is crazy how much it's changed. I mean, when I started marketing, I mean, I don't want to date myself, but I'm going to date myself super badly, yo. Um, the internet, like, basically barely existed, right? 1994, we had, like, email, folks. That was it. That was, like, digital marketing. It was email. There wasn't a lot more than that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's changed a lot. Back when I started, it was, like, TV campaigns, billboards, newspapers, um, all that good stuff, sponsorships, celebrity endorsements, channel trade marketing programs, all that good stuff that still exists today. But now we've made it like 100x more complicated with everything from email marketing to retargeting to mobile app kind of paper download campaigns, mobile ads, um, content marketing, video ads, mobile video ads, all that good stuff um, and all the data and tools that come with it. So yeah, it's become heinously complex. And that's why um, I created Mad More Stories about a year ago. Uh, to start helping people who are in this and helping particularly senior level folks who are, you know, perhaps directors of marketing, VPs, SVPs, CMOs, um, because it's tough. 
this is a really, really tough job today to run marketing teams and to scale them given all the complexity and things that are happening. A little bit about me. Like I said, been in marketing a long time. Um, started my career at Pepsi, did a stint uh, for five years with Pepsi, was based initially in the uh, offices covering Latin America and Florida, which was pretty cool. Great place to party right after school, learned a lot um, and great place to kind of like have, you know, low risk kind of work. Um, after that, moved down to Brazil, uh, which was really, really cool as a 22 year old um, marketing assistant. I can I can tell you that it was uh, it was tough man. it was tough to be in Brazil. It was tough to launch Diet Pepsi and be working with uh, Brazilian supermodels on the beach doing uh, promotional events and campaigns. Ouch. Yeah. Difficult. Uh, wouldn't want to do that again. Not. No. Very cool. Uh, really enjoyed that stuff. So was in Brazil for about two and a half years with Pepsi launched Diet Pepsi, uh, helped set up a lot of um, new operations and promotions there, ran consumer promotions for Pepsi. Then it was off to Chile, uh, Santiago to Chile. That's right. It is the ass end of the world, all the way about as south as you can go, folks. Was based in Santiago to Chile for about two and a half years, launched Pepsi Max there, launched uh, 7-Up and Diet 7-Up, um, ran some of the first campaigns involving soccer celebrities and soccer stars like Marcelo Salas and Ivan Zamorano. For all of you guys who are soccer fans and may remember those folks, I know it was a long time ago. Like I said, I'm totally dating myself. Um, so I did that for about um, three years, completed my tour with Pepsi, left Pepsi in 1999 to go back to business school, went to business school at positively one of the most kick-ass, awesome business schools on the planet called INSEAD. For those of you guys who haven't heard of it, um, just Google it. It's one of the top schools that you can attend for MBAs based in Fontainebleau, France. They also have a really awesome campus in Singapore and some facilities in Dubai. They're partners with Wharton and a number of other prestigious institutions. So yeah, got my MBA there in 2000, focused on entrepreneurship, um, started to get into the whole tech scene and moved into technology strategy consulting. So um, did that for about a year and a half, was based in Barcelona, Spain, which was a really cool place to be after B-School as well, as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, did that for a year and a half. Then, of course, in 2001, for those of you who, who were working and were around at that time, the bubble burst and about 50% of us lost our jobs. Yes, that was a fun time. No job for you, but still lots of crushing student school debt to pay off. Yeah, we love how even in Europe and other parts of the world, you can't exactly forgive that stuff. You just got to pay it off and just keep cranking. So um, in 2001, left my strategy consulting firm and didn't really kind of looking bother looking for a job. I actually, instead of that, decided to start my first company, which was a cyber cafe focused on land-based video game playing. So multiplayer gaming back in the pre-phone days, pre-tablet days, um, for those of you guys who may have played Counter-Strike uh, and uh, World of Warcraft, uh, on the initial kind of Warcraft games, we had um, at our peak 17, 17 stores up and running all across Spain, Madrid, Barcelona, Sevilla, a whole bunch of places, um, focused on you know providing a space for you know kids and, and folks to come and play competitive games uh, on local area networks. And yeah, did that for a couple of years. Um, it was a blast. It was my first time kind of as an entrepreneur. And as all things go, it was a, a really hard series of lessons. We built up this chain of cyber cafes into a franchise and started franchising it across Spain. But the model didn't really scale. And um, long story short, in 2003, no, actually, sorry, my bad. Yeah, 2003, 2004, 
Um, I was in the process of raising an additional round of capital to expand the business and launch a new series of pilot stores focused on uh, not just gaming, but also kind of on food and beverage, because that's actually where a lot of the margins are. And when people are playing games, what are they doing? Yeah, that's right. They are also stuffing their faces with lots of cheap, nasty food. So we were going for the cheap, nasty food model to add some profitability to the stores and make more money for our franchisees. And what happens? Midrade train bombings. See ya. No more funding. So yeah, uh, we closed the doors on that. And I found myself out of a job, recently married, living in Madrid in 2004, and got a call from some folks up in England and moved up to England to work in the video game industry. So uh, got into mobile gaming. This is pre-iPhone, pre-App Store days, folks. Yes, I know it's hard to believe that there were actually mobile games before iPhones and before app stores and before Google Play and before Android. It is true. Uh, those phones are now probably in like museums or on display somewhere. Um, and I joined a company called Digital Bridges, which later rebranded to iPlay. And I was VP of marketing for uh, iPlay for Europe, selling mobile games on really shitty phones to uh, mobile carriers who really didn't want them. Interesting job. Lots of fun, though. Really cool to uh, launch the first electronic arts titles on mobile. Just to give you an idea, in 2005, we launched uh, The Sims on mobile for the first time in Europe. We launched um, Fast and Furious, which uh, obviously a bunch of you guys have seen that uh, movie or the series of movies. It's like the never-ending cash machine. I think they're like on Fast and Furious 8 or something. Um, I don't know. What other ideas will they come up with next? Flying cars or something, but whatever. Yeah, we did Fast and Furious. We did um, Brain Genius, which was an own IP that... Uh, oh, that's a different company. Sorry, I'll get to that. We did uh, Fast and Furious. We did The Sims. We did uh, FIFA Soccer. We did Madden NFL. Basically, a bunch of the EA titles. So yeah, I did that job for about a year and a half. Uh, it was based out of London, which was cool. It's a pretty cool town. Um, met a lot of interesting people there. Worked with a lot of mobile operators. We did a lot of cool stuff on the PR side. And, you know, marketing was becoming more sophisticated by that point. So we started dabbling with things like SMS campaigns, um, you know, scratch cards where you could get like a short code and, you know, text your operator so you could get a link to download a game that would never arrive on your phone. Seriously, folks, it was not cool because in those days, mobile campaigns and mobile marketing was just freaking painful. Okay. Seriously, it was painful. It was not fun. It was like Chinese water torture. Um, for any of you guys who have ever succumbed to Chinese water torture, well, not succumbed because you'd be dead. Um, who have ever been exposed to that, it was like pulling teeth. So mobile games in those days, feature phones, small screens, lots of buttons, shitty graphics, the works. Um, it was a challenging place to be, but it was a lot of fun too. We learned a lot. We launched a bunch of different mobile games. Um, we watched games rise and tank. Sonic Hedgehog was the big thing. That was the rage. And in 2006, I was approached by a company called Glue Mobile, and they're still around today. You can actually go on Google and you can Google them, and they are listed on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. Um, GLUU, I believe. No idea where the stock price was. It was pretty shitty when I left. It's probably, well, I don't know where it is now. I not comment. So I have some friends still there. So no idea where the stock price is. But anyway, joined Glue Mobile in 2006 as VP of marketing for Europe for Glue Mobile. Uh, and that was a cool ride. The team was really good. We had a lot of cool products and we launched some really sophisticated stuff. So we launched like Sonic Hedgehog on mobile. Um, 
Oh my God, Brain Genius. We launched um, Pro Evolution Soccer. Anyway, a whole bunch of stuff. Transformers, the first Transformers game to ever come out on mobile. Did that for a couple of years. Um, then the company went public. And predictably enough, where's the drum roll when you get bum, bum, bum? The founders leave uh, after about six months of the company being public. And um, I realized after that that as a bunch of other people started heading for the exits, most particularly to Electronic Arts, um, that it was probably time for me to go as well. So in 2008, I was called uh, by a venture capital firm, which some of you guys may have heard of, called Excel Partners. They're one of the big VC firms here in the Valley. They made a couple of small investments in a couple of companies called, a uh, couple of companies, a lot of companies. Anyway, they've been a really successful VC outfit. Um, they invested, were one of the first investors in Facebook, uh, for any of you guys who have ever heard of Facebook. Um, yeah, I was called by those guys to go work in another startup called Getjar. Um, and Getjar, for those of you guys who don't know, and that would be most of you probably because Getjar was sold and kind of went under years ago. Getjar was one of the very first app stores. That's right, first. First app store. They were actually launched before the Apple App Store and before Google Play even existed. Um, there was Getjar, and they were the app store for all the people who had feature phones. Um, they also hosted, you know, apps for BlackBerry. They eventually hosted apps for Android. And that was a lot of fun. That was my first chief marketing officer job. Um, crazy times. I was employee number six. We raised, I think, 36 or $38 million. Um, grew that company to about 50 people. Had a blast. Did some crazy things. I'll talk, I'll talk on some of the podcasts about that. And I have a, some blog posts as well on my blog um, that talk about some of the stories of some of the crazy things that we did at Getjar. And that was really kind of like my first experience really running and building a, a full-fledged marketing team. Um, at Glue, I'd managed a team of about 15 people across five countries in Europe, handled you know all of the stuff from launching new products and games to communications, uh, marketing communications, PR, um, user acquisition, et cetera. Getjar was my first real CMO job where um, I was also in charge of branding and uh, content marketing, content creation, UA, all that good stuff. And it was it was interesting. I mean, it was a big challenge because, of course, we were trying to compete against the Apple App Store and against um, Android Market, which would eventually become Google Play. So I did that job for about two, three years. Um, it was a pretty amazing job. A uh, lot of satisfaction. We were able to get the company in every magazine and newspaper that you could imagine, Wall Street Journal, uh, New York Times, um, Time Magazine. We were in Time Magazine as one of the 10 companies that would change your life. Little did they know that we would go under two years later. So I guess we didn't change people's lives. But hey, we tried, which is all what it's all about, right? Startups and tech, it's all about trying. It's all about getting out there, pursuing your dreams, getting shit done. And, you know, like I said, and you'll hear me say this a lot in my podcasts, you know, you either succeed or, or learn right? There is no failure, folks. So for all you guys listening out there who are aspiring entrepreneurs or who are scared shitless about trying to be an entrepreneur, there's no such thing as failure. No matter where you're listening to me from, no matter where you are in the world, failure doesn't exist. You succeed or you learn. Most of us do not succeed, at least in the beginning. Most of us are going to go through and we're going to screw up. We're going to make a bunch of mistakes and then we learn from them. And I learned a lot at Getchar. We did some incredible things. It was so amazing to see the growth of that company for a number of years. It was so amazing to receive the prize for one of the most innovative companies in technology at the World um, Economic Forum in Davos in 2010. 
it was amazing to be in Time Magazine as one of the 10 companies that would change your life. And then things went completely sideways. And guess what? Shit happens. I, that stuff does happen. And you just got to move on and move and, you know, learn from it and, and, you know, go to your next thing. And so in, in my case, in, uh, in 2011, my next thing was to go to Google. Um, I, I got a call one day from them and they were like, hi, we're Google. Would you like to come and work for us? And I was like, no, um, because you guys suck and I hate you and I've been competing against you and I hate the way you run the business and I don't like the way you manage developers. And I don't think you have any interest in seriously developing your app store or your business. And so I politely declined working for Google. Um, but they were really persistent as Google uh, often is. And I finally you know, said, okay, why not? Um, Getchar was having a lot of issues. I could see the writing on the wall. They were getting, they were the, um, they were the juicy hamburger between two buns. Let's put it that way, right? Between the Apple App Store on one side, you know, and iOS being a closed ecosystem and Android market, which although it really sucked badly in those days, um, was growing like crazy and was going to end up being preloaded on every Android device out there. Um, Getchar was somewhere in the middle. We were in the middle. And guess what, folks? When you're in the middle and you're small, that's a really bad place to be. Okay. That is not cool. Um, it's not cool. It doesn't work out very well. It didn't end up very well for Getchar. And so in a nutshell, I saw the writing on the wall and um, had some discussions from the folks at Getchar and, and with our board and the, the kind folks from Excel and, you know, tried to see some sense about changing our strategy. But wasn't really a big believer in where we were going um, and wasn't really a big believer in our ability to deliver a product that actually worked well and um, and delivered on the expectations of our, of our customers. And I'll talk a lot about that, right? It's like rule number one is you got to have a great product and you got to deliver on the needs of a customer. And um, if you don't have a good product or a product that's at least competitive, guess what? It's like putting makeup on a pig, right? And guess what? You eventually end up running out of makeup. And when you run out of makeup, it's all over. People see that you're a pig. People don't like pigs. They don't pay money for pigs. So I saw the writing on the wall and had a couple of really good conversations with the folks from Google. And um, and they were cool. Actually, the people on that team were really, really cool. Um, you'll hear me interview one of them in the next couple of weeks, Mark Van Leberg. He, um, he was the CMO over at Android. He's now the chief marketing officer at Medallia, which is a really cool company. And so stay tuned because I'm going to be interviewing him in the next three or four weeks and posting that podcast here. Mark's done some remarkable things. Anyway, I'm not going to get into Mark's bio because that would take me the rest of the podcast and you guys will get to hear from him. But anyway, he convinced me to join Google and I was originally going to go there to be marketing director for mobile apps, which was interesting at Google in 2011. It wasn't really a big focus for them. And, you know, mobile was slowly starting to take off. The app store was slowly starting to really catch fire and mobile was becoming the rage, but it was still kind of like getting really hot and bubbly. And, um, and so, yeah, so I joined Google in 2011 and I went to run a small team of like three people, uh, you know, like three people in marketing, um, running, mo running marketing for um, Google search on mobile. And, uh, and it was cool. And we did a lot of stuff and we launched, um, we launched Google search for iPad um, while I was there. And uh, we scaled that team a bit. And we increased distribution and started getting Google into all sorts of places on mobile phones that they hadn't been before, which was awesome. And then after like four months on the job there, they came to me and they said, hey, guess what? Um, you're one of the few guys who really has any marketing experience when it comes to app stores. And 
Andy Rubin, who was, you know, the um, all-knowing, all-seeing guru slash god at Android um, at that time. Andy Rubin had had this epiphany that, um, guess what? Apps are going to be big and our ecosystem really sucks. So we need to do something about that. And we need to do something about that ASAP. And that was kind of like music to my ears on the one hand. On the other hand, it really totally sucked because I really didn't want to go back to apps. I'd spent like, let's see, that was 2011. I'd been in apps for already six years at that point, And I was just a little bit fed up with it and fed up with the whole app store thing. But, um, but you know, when they said, guess what? You know, we're going to relaunch Android market and we have to build everything from scratch. I was like, wow, that actually sounds really cool. That, that could be a lot of fun. And, um, and just nothing existed. It was like a startup within a startup. It was a small team and they were just focused on apps. There was no music. There was no books. There was no movies. There was no TV shows. There was no marketing. Um, they had never even run a consumer promotion for apps ever on that team. And so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go and, and I'll, I'll help, uh, I'll help figure out what we do on Android market. And so I was pulled into that team and spend the next couple of years on that team. And that's how we started creating the first marketing campaigns. We created the first marketing team and then we created, um, what is now a little known brand called Google play. Yeah. Google play. So, uh, that was an amazing experience. Um, and the team there was just killer. I've never worked with more talented people in my life. I got to tell you, I mean, a lot of things that people say, people say a lot of bad things about Google, about privacy, about data, about whatever, arrogance, people, you know, people say stuff. And um, and I can tell you, having been there for a couple of years and been on the inside, um, most of that's not true. There are other things which maybe they need to work on. Um, and clearly, you know, they're, they have their own challenges. Uh, maybe not as many as Facebook does right now, but they have their own challenges. And um, and I worked with some really amazing people. I was surrounded by super smart people. You know, we built the first marketing team on Play, which was about 12 people by the time I left. And we launched the Google Play brand, which was awesome. And I learned a lot from those people. We did some really killer things. I learned a lot about digital marketing, about everything from, you know, mobile advertising to retargeting to... Um, AdWords, a whole bunch of stuff that you know may seem perfectly obvious to a bunch of you uh, who are listening to this. Back then in 2011, a bunch of this stuff wasn't obvious to me, uh, and I learned a lot of it. And you know, we did some amazing things with with Google Play. I mean, we took the business from I think it was seven or eight hundred million dollars a year in, in in run rate to two and a half billion by the time I left. And uh, that was a group effort, obviously. You know, the the product team, the engineering team um, did some Herculean stuff, did some amazing stuff. Um, the partnerships team did some great work and it was kind of like, you know, uh, a team effort of, of marketing, product marketing, um, user acquisition, product PMs, everybody working together. So, um, yeah, so long story short, I, you know, I left Google play in, in 2013 and, and since then I've been doing a lot of different things. I did a stint uh, at a venture capital firm called Signia Venture Partners, which is here in Menlo Park. Um, and helped you know advise the the partners there and making some some uh, early investments and and how to look at Android and how to look at uh, you know gaming. They'd done a lot of gaming investments at the time. I um, I started a company called Unspoken Tales, which was a an aborted uh, mobile games venture. Um, you think I would have had my 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 fair share of mobile games by that point, and that I would be sick to death of doing it. But no, I wanted more pain, so I went out and I did a mobile gaming startup with a couple people that I didn't know very well. And that ended up not going anywhere. Um, and there's a lot of lessons learned. I can talk about that on a separate podcast as well. 
you know, this podcast is called Mad Mork Stories for a reason. I have a lot of stories to share about the 20 plus career, 20 plus years of marketing that, uh, that I've done. Um, I have a lot of stories from having lived in 11 different countries and worked in six different countries and launched a lot of products. And, you know, I've been blessed, you know, I've launched everything from soft drinks to, you know, uh, mobile gaming, uh, apps and, uh, mobile games, uh, app stores, nutritional supplements. I did a stint in education technology, uh, with a company called course hero, um, for a while. And that was super interesting. And so I'm, you know, the aim of the podcast really is to share a lot of these learnings with you, interview a lot of amazing people who work in marketing and technology for you guys. So you can learn a lot about what they do, what they've learned and some of the mistakes that they've made. Because like I said, mistakes are where we learn, right? Um, and so, yeah, long story short, you know, after leaving Google, I, I, I did that stint in, in venture capital. I started a company that didn't work out. Uh, I did a lot of consulting work for a number of other startups that were really interesting. Uh, I recently worked with a really amazing startup that you guys definitely need to check out if you hate your morning commute. Hello, who doesn't hate their morning commute? Um, yeah, they're called Lime Bike, uh, Lime Bike, all one word, limebike.com. You can check out their app on Google Play or on the App Store. Uh, and they basically, you know, help people find bikes. And um, with your phone, you can basically locate a bike near you, unlock it, uh, and then pay as you ride. Uh, you basically pay, I think, a buck for 30 minutes. And you can ride wherever you want. And as soon as you're done, you basically drop the bike off and um, you close the lock on the back wheel and you're done. It's a really awesome way to get around. And there's a bunch of companies doing this. If you live in San Francisco, obviously... Um, you will see there's a company around San Francisco called Jump that uh, has these little red bikes, same concept. Uh, they have electric bikes, so does Line Bike. But anyway, um, did a stint with Line Bike and love their product, love where those guys are going. They also just launched electric scooters, which I think, you know, between scooters and e-bikes and bicycles, I think that's the future of the short commute and say goodbye to your car because like driving in, in San Francisco during peak hours is just really a miserable, miserable painful experience as we all know. Uh, and I was there a couple of days ago. So yeah, did um, a bunch of consulting work with line bike, worked with another amazing company, which is really cool, especially if you are into the ganja uh, called weed maps. Um, yep. Weed maps, all, all, all one word. They have a mobile app available on Android and on uh, iOS, which basically lets you locate the nearest dispensary near you and potentially get delivery of um, the ganja that you seek, if that is your thing. And we know that in California, that's now legal. So I can totally talk about that without having somebody come by my house and arrest me. Oh no, that would be bad. So yeah, so did, uh, did some work with lead maps, did some work with line bike. And then, um, over the last year, basically made a big career transition and, and you'll hear me talk about careers and transitions a lot. And, you know, really my aim here folks is, um, you know, I want to do two things, right? I want to basically help tech companies create awesome stories for their products because there's so much cool technology with so many crappy, lousy, unintelligible stories um, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who need help. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast and you have difficulty explaining what your product does in 25 words or less, you may be one of those people who needs help. This is just a reality of Silicon Valley is there's a lot of cool tech um, it's not always very well communicated. It's not always very, very well marketed. And we forget that we live in a bubble here. 
that's very true. Look outside of Silicon Valley. Most normal human beings do not um, pay $10 for avocado toast. What can I tell you? $10 for avocado toast. That blows my mind. Yes, it's, it's true. It's sad. It does happen. Um, but seriously, folks, um, most people outside of Silicon Valley don't think the way we do. They don't necessarily have the understanding or the appreciation of technology the way we do here. And sometimes the way we explain stuff is just really, really pathetic and bad and confusing to normal human beings. And sometimes we launch stuff like Google Glass that we think is, oh my God, that's so awesome, so cool. And people are like, seriously? You seriously launched that? You're seriously like spying at me through those glasses and recording what I say? That's like so intrusive, so lame and so dorky that I will never be caught wearing those things dead walking down the street. But anyway, I was there. I was at Google when they launched those things. And I remember being at Google I.O., when uh, Sergey Brin was announcing the launch of Google Glass and we had these guys on bicycles, like BMXs, parachute out of a freaking helicopter uh, over the Moscone Center in San Francisco and then wheel their bikes on the roof, down the roof into the main kind of like auditorium where we were and cycle up to the stage on these things wearing Google Glass and everybody clapping, and I was looking at these guys, looking at those glasses, and I was like, oh, my God, nobody in their right mind is going to be caught dead wearing those things. But anyway, we knew better, right? Everybody in Silicon Valley knew better, and we were all breathing and smoking our own bullshit, and it was like, oh, yeah, Google Glass is going to take over the world, and guess what? We all know how that story fanned out. It didn't, right? And so kind of like, what's my goal here? My goal is to help tech marketers kind of understand human speak. It's to help them figure out how to market stuff and how to create powerful, awesome stories that are deeply engaging with customers that they can understand and appreciate and cut through all the noise. Because you know how much noise there is today, folks? Let me tell you how much noise there is. On average, the average human being is exposed to over 5,000 brand impressions every single day. Okay, think about that. I'm not talking about advertising. I'm talking about brand impressions. Every single day, 5,000 brand impressions, right? That is mental. And if you're going to cut through that, you better A, have a really, really good product that solves an important need. And then you got to have killer marketing. You got to really deliver on that value proposition. You got to have a really great story, which means something, right? And for any of you guys who are familiar with Simon Sinek, uh, he's got a great podcast, actually a podcast. He's got a great video on YouTube about, you know, the, uh, the kind of like why ask why or whatever it's called, something with why. I don't remember exactly the name. But anyway, it's awesome. And the point that he gets to is you have to give customers and consumers a reason why you do what you do, not just, hey, buy my shit because it's cool, right? So coming to the realization of explaining why it is that you do what you do and communicating that in a fun, different you know, emotional kind of way that resonates with consumers, that's key. And that's what I, that's what I want to help people do, right? The second thing I do, aside from helping companies create these deep, engaging stories, is I help you guys, the listeners, I help marketing people lead and live powerful, meaningful careers in such a way that doesn't completely ruin the rest of your life. Because we all know that we could work 24-7, right? And it's really, really cool to work 24-7 in Silicon Valley. People love doing that shit here. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to eat pizza and ramen. And I'm going to just, like, work my butt off six days a week, seven days a week. No, how about eight days a week? Let's just add a day so I can keep working, right? That shit's not sustainable. And anybody who tells you that it is or tells you, like, 
you got to hustle until you die is mentally retarded because basically if you're dead, it's game over folks. If you don't have like a life that has any kind of semblance of balance to it, if you don't do any sports, if you don't sleep enough, if you don't eat enough, if you don't have a life outside of work and your work tanks, you're going to hell. Okay. You are just like screwed right there. Let me tell you, because I've been there. I was there about a year and a half ago when I left my last startup and I was separated two years ago and everything just like hit the fan. And what did I do? I called Ghostbusters. No, just kidding. Um, I got a coach. Seriously. I hired a coach because I was so freaking lost and things were so bad that one day I was like, I get up in the morning really early and I go on a bike ride every morning. I bike 10 miles in the freezing cold. And one day I was biking and I almost got hit by this car. And I just thought to myself, like, so what? What would have happened if I had gotten hit by this car now? Like, would it really make a freaking difference? Would I really care? Big deal. And as soon as I had that thought, guys, I just froze. I stopped my bike on the side of the road. I called my insurance company. And I was like, get me a freaking therapist like now. Because like I'd never had any thought like that. Like I, I'm not a suicidal person. I'm not a crazy person. I'm not a dark, depressing, you know, cynical person. As you can can hear, I am like super optimistic, super upbeat, high energy. Generally, I like I love my life. I give gratitude to all the things that I have every day. I have two amazing kids who I absolutely adore. Um, I have a lot of good things going for me. So when that happened, I was like, dude, I need help, and I got help. I, I did get a therapist and she was good, but you know, the therapist's whole angle is not for me, especially since you can only see them like every six weeks or so. Uh, if you're lucky by which, you know, you could have died in the meantime, right? Thank you. Thank you. Kind of healthcare system in the U S awesome, whatever. Um, but seriously, so I, I reached out and I got a coach and I worked with that coach for nine months and that coach helped me figure out a, what I wanted to do with my life. He helped me figure out B, how I was going to get there and create a plan and start working on that. And see, he held me accountable. And so kind of like my summary of all that in that crazy, crazy year that I went through where just everything came down for me and I just found myself at the bottom rung of the ladder um, led me to the realization that I wanted to help people, that I wanted to do something meaningful that I wanted to get out of tech startups, that I wanted to get out of corporate, that I wanted to have my own thing and that I wanted to do stuff that could help others, right? And so that's how I started Mad Mork Stories. Um, and that's why I do what I do now. And so Mad Mork Stories is a, is a coaching company. It is a coaching company for marketers. And what I do is I help technology companies create and deliver powerful and engaging stories um, that deeply move their, their customers. And I help marketing people like you, uh, live and figure out how to, how to have meaningful lives in marketing. Um, and in a way that's balanced, right? It's powerful for you. You have a great career. You love what you do, but you also have things outside of your career, right? Hopefully you have a partner, you have a dog, you have friends, you have a sex life, you have, I don't know, uh, Netflix, right? You have uh, cycling, you have sports, you have travel, right? You have a balanced life. So that's what I'm trying to do. So anyway, um, that's what I do. That's who I am. This is the stuff that I'm going to be talking about. Um, I hope this wasn't too long. I know this was 35 minutes. That's long. I got to keep them shorter. 
Uh, I've interviewed a lot of cool people in the past. I know venture capitalists. I know entrepreneurs. I know people at Facebook, at Google, at all the big companies at Airbnb. You're going to get to hear from a lot of those people. You're going to get to hear from product marketers. You're going to get to hear from product managers. You're going to hear from CEOs. You're going to hear from CMOs. You're going to hear from heads of content marketing. You're going to hear from heads of communications. You're going to hear from me. Oh, my God, not more, not more, Mad Mark, please, not more. Uh, yes, you will hear from me. And then you'll hear a lot about you know, what it's like to work in these different kind of careers. You'll hear about what it's like to learn from all the setbacks and, and, and mistakes these people have made. Um, you'll hear stories from founders about how they started their own their own companies and hopefully a lot of learning. Anyway, that's it for me. I know this has been a super long podcast. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Hopefully maybe I've even made you laugh, which would be cool. We always need more laughter, especially when we look at what's happening in Washington, D.C. in the U.S. More laughter needed. Um, but we do want to thank uh, Donald Trump for the unending amount of laughs and, and humor that he, he provides uh, all of us, uh, especially the folks at SNL and other places, never ending humor uh, uh, coupled with frustration and and uh, and a bunch of other emotions that I, I shall not endeavor to go into. But um, hope you guys enjoyed the, the first uh, first episode. Um, if you liked it, you know, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, that would be awesome. If you share it with friends, that would be even more awesome. I would love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, other ways to follow me, get in touch with me. You can check out my website, which is www.madmork.com. That's M-A-D-M-O-R-K, Madmork. Uh, I will tell you the story of how I got that nickname some other time because obviously being a storyteller, guess what? There is a story behind that. You can check it out. Um, you can check out facebook.com slash Stories, all one word. Madmork Stories is the name of my company. Madmork is my nickname. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com uh, at madmork, or well, actually hashtag madmork, whatever, sorry. Uh, I've got a page on Medium, which is medium.com slash admadmork as well. And I'm working on a YouTube channel, but to be honest, I don't like have, I haven't done really anything on YouTube, so I don't have a lot of videos there. Um, once I have more stuff up there, I'll let you guys know. Anyway, I hope you guys really enjoyed this. It's been awesome connecting with you guys and uh, look forward to sharing more stories with you soon. And, you know, connecting with some of you guys who want to create cool stories. So, you know, if you uh, if you feel like you need help, if you feel that, you know, maybe your career is kind of either up in flames or going sideways or you're not quite sure um, or you're just plain old confused, drop me a note. Just tweet me or like, you know, ping me on Facebook. You can send me an email, patrick at madmork.com. Uh, awesome to hear from you. And uh, if I can help you, I will. In the meantime, uh, that's sayonara for me. I've been saying that for like two minutes, so I'll finally get the hell off now. Um, and I also have a blog, by the way, madmork.com slash blog, where I talk about a ton of this stuff. Uh, and it's actually really good content. And some of it's syndicated on Business Insider and hopefully some other places. So sayonara, guys. Thanks again for everything. Look forward to hearing from you soon. And uh, I will catch you on the next episode. Later. Bye.